a lot of fun. I saw a video, though, that you that I didn't see in here, and that's of uh, Amy Peters doing church clap outside. <laughs> that was quite amazing. And um, what we really needed was to see her daughter going, Mom, stop it. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> Truly a teenager already. So, all right. Well, our theme, you came in, you saw our bulletin front says bold on it, very big and bold. And um, had a little bit of fun with that uh, this week. Um, actually, Jess Carpenter, our, our assistant um, children's director, was leading the kindergartners, and she said, today's theme, this was Wednesday, you know, we said we're being bold, and she said, today's theme is uh, Jesus helps us be bold. And I said, anybody know what bold means? Well, in her accent, it didn't come out quite as bold. Um, and so when the, when the little kids raised their hand, they said, it means you don't have any hair. <laughs> and of course, <laughs> she was like, What? <laughs> And it really got, it really, the sweet little girl, just so funny, and uh, very, very innocently. And she said, no, bold, not bald, bold. And so we got to explain that, that it means to be brave, of course, and, um, but very exciting. And um, so we, we want to be clear, this morning we're talking about being bold uh, in our faith, or brave and courageous and things like that. Um, our, our lesson on Wednesday, which really kind of prompted our message for today, um, is, was a story of Peter and John sharing, demonstrating for us what it means to, to be bold in the power of God when they were in Jerusalem. And um, you saw the, the scenes of the kids carrying other kids into the room. Well, that, was, that it goes along with the story of the day. And uh, it was interesting as we had conversations with those kids. Was this easy to do? And they were like, oh, yeah. And some of them gave them a piggyback ride or, or the, the helper carried them in. The kids were like, that wasn't hard. And um, well, so what if you were the only one there and you had to carry them you had to carry them from their house to school. And uh, you had to carry them, and you didn't have a wheelchair. You didn't have any transportation. You had to carry them to the grocery store. You had to carry them uh, to the bathroom, or if they wanted to go outside and back in, and they were like, oh. And they were like, that would be hard. And we're like, yeah, it would be hard. And so we're describing this man who had been uh, crippled for most of his life. And we're going to read a little bit about that in just a minute. Before we get to that text, though, I want to share with you a couple of things that are indicated or understood by Luke, the um, Dr. Luke, that wrote the, the book of Acts, um, very detailed fellow. Um, he wrote a couple of things, and these are some understanding that he had about what is happening when the power of God is bold in your life. And um, one of them is the power to work miracles. When you're understanding, when you're reading the book of Acts, the power to work miracles was the supreme proof that the apostles had inherited the mission and authority of their master. That was the proof that they belonged to God, and they had his power in their life. It is, we call it the gift of the Holy Spirit, power of the Holy Spirit. And conversely, the second thing is, miracle is the, super, the supreme way of awakening faith. And we heard Jesus say this several times when he says, uh, uh, he says, you people will only believe if you see a, a sign or wonder. Understanding that that miracle is something that awakens in us truth. And so you have the manifestation of it flowing through the believer, but then also the manifestation of it in the miracle itself and the one who is coming to faith. And those are powerful things. Uh, the first Christians lived in daily expectation of miracles. And they may have experienced them uh, very much because of their expectation to see them actually in happen uh, in, in front of them. So with that in mind, I want us to take a look in Acts chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 1 through 11. And I hear this story again. If you haven't read this or the book of Acts in a while, uh, read this. So Acts chapter 2, 
is where we hear about the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, tongues of fire, all that stuff. Acts chapter 3 are some of the events that happen after that. Remember, Jesus isn't around. This is post-resurrection and post-ascension. So, uh, verse 1 says, One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, which was 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John, and then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. And then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. Thus the dancing around you saw in the video. Conga lines and everything. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit and beg at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him, at the miracle that had happened. Then I go on to verse 11. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. It wasn't even in the temple itself. It was in the courtyard that surrounded it that they came. This is an incredible story. And if you keep on reading in chapter 3, you realize that all these crowds kept coming. They were like, You've got to see this. You remember the guy from the, day, the gate? You remember him? He's walking, and they're like, no way. You've got the wrong guy. Well, come see for yourself. And they started gathering people around, and about 5,000 that day, after hearing a message that Peter and John shared about who Jesus was, about his resurrection, about a forgiveness of sins, and he said, you need Jesus in your life. And about 5,000 men then responded by giving their life to become followers of Jesus. And that's 5,000 men. It didn't count the women and children that also followed or the households that would respond. So it could be as many as ten to 15,000 people responded to this one act, this manifestation of God's power through the apostles, but then also in the man and his witness, his testimony afterward. Uh, this is an incredible account of how God's Spirit moves in us. And I want you to notice something. This healing uh, was done through Peter. An ordinary blue-collar fisherman. This guy got up, worked hard, made a living, but if he didn't catch fish, he didn't make money. It was not Jesus. It was through an ordinary person. It was the power of Jesus, yes, in him, the Holy Spirit residing in him, but it was through uh, this ordinary disciple, this regular follower of Christ. Peter and John, they are going about their regular religious routine. Today, it would be like getting up and going to worship on any given Sunday. They just made their way to the temple. They were going there. It might have been because it was in the middle of the week or three in the afternoon. It may have been like going to a Bible study or a small group or a house meeting or something like that. They were not expecting to meet up with someone in need. They were going to a prayer meeting that was to take place in one of the side porches of the temple. If you've ever get a chance to go to Israel and go to the Temple Mount, you'll understand it much better. It's incredible. This is where the crippled beggar called out to them. 
to draw attention. Something about him. Here you have a crippled and, and distraught man, been this way his entire life, but he had to be bold in his request. He had to call out, Shalom, have mercy, have mercy on me. Alms, will you give me anything? And he's calling out and he's reaching out to these particular folks. So his boldness had to come in his asking for help. Peter saw someone who was a cripple. And there was no particular reason why he should see him in particularly. Beggars have a way of lingering around the temple gates to touch hearts of the people of the most, at their most vulnerable point. You think about it, when are you most moved to compassion? It's when God comes near. When you are going to worship, God comes close and we are moved to want to support and to lift up and to help. And this man knew that. He said, I'm going to reach out to the people that are most loving. They want to serve God and I'm going to reach out to them. Peter really had nothing to gain by taking notice of this man who had been lame for, the scripture says, 40 years. But Peter was also not so exclusively intent on getting to the prayer meeting that he passed by the man in need of mercy. My hometown is Moultrie, Georgia, and they got a new pastor uh, at the Presbyterian Church. This was when I was in high school, and I heard about this. I didn't attend that church, attended another, but Moultrie's not very big. And so they, um, the pastor loved to do, uh, he was very involved in theater. And uh, I think it was one of his first Sundays, if not his first Sunday there, he dressed up like a homeless person. And Moultrie doesn't have a lot of homeless people, not that you see anyway. And uh, he decided that he was going to go and, and hang out at the church as a homeless person. So he laid up in the bushes by the front door of the church on Sunday morning. And he made enough noise where people would kind of see him or hear him, and, and uh, he wanted to see if anybody would speak to him. And guess what? Nobody did. Nobody checked on him, anything. Service got started. I'm sure they were wondering where the minister is. Had the opening hymn, so no minister, but they just keep on going. And here he came, walking down the center aisle, and people are whispering, what's he doing in here? And he walked all the way to the front row and then turned around and took his skies off. And they were like, oh. you talk about conviction. They're like, I can't believe this. And someone said, well, if we knew it was you, and he goes, what does it matter who it is? I'm a child of God. I stand in need. Peter really wasn't looking necessarily to do anything with anyone in particular. This man was just somebody calling out for help. As Christians, you know, we are confronted by cripples often in different kinds of ways, not just physically. People who have been crushed by hard events in their lives, some suffering great loss and going into deep depression. Others carry very heavy burdens. People who are crippled are also crippled by fear, paralyzed by hate. They often show up on the doorsteps of the church begging for alms, for help, for prayer, for a place to belong. They are looking for a place to be made whole. And you see, Peter had something he could not keep. It's actually in one of the lyrics of the songs that our kids learned. Um, it has something that I cannot keep. 
some things will, will keep fine, like stones and diamonds, they keep fine. Some things can be preserved and even pickled. But the real things in life cannot be kept. So try to keep love and watch it turn into lust. You try to keep peace to yourself instead of sharing it or spreading it, and you see it degenerate into passivity. You try to keep money, and you watch it turn into greed. You try to keep beauty, (laughs) and you keep putting stuff on it, and you turn into a mummy. You try to keep Christ all to yourself or refined, and you turn into a bigot. Peter could not keep the precious gift of life in Christ. He could only give it away. That was his driving point. Like Peter, everyone has something that will not keep. Something we have to share, something we need to to give away, be it a talent or whatever. To to every life, at some time or another, we have something we need to give away. Uh, To one, it is the secret of beauty. To another, it is the secret of endurance. To another, the secret of sight beyond the rim of time and space. Maybe you have visionary leadership or something or understanding. These things will not keep, but they must be given away. Peter gave something that was not even asked for. The lame man, of course, was asking for money. He needed something to buy food or to just survive, but Peter gave him walking and leaping and praising. He gave him so much more. We even asked the kids. I said, they, I looked at him and I said, he, he didn't have any money to give him, so he, he told him to get up and walk. I said, would you rather have the money or be able to walk? And they were like, walk. And it didn't matter what age group, whether it was the kindergartners I had or whether it was the fifth graders. And this is rising, by the way. This is rising kindergartners. They're like four going on to five, and they understood the power that you have in the abilities to walk and that it is better than money. Children often ask for toys. Well, give them toys but also give them your time. A workman may ask for relief. Well, give them redemption. That's what they really want. And that means they want respect and consideration over and above the wages. They want to be valued. Give them that value. God asks for obedience, and surely we can give him more than just that, than just obeying the rules. We can give him our minds and our imagination and our hands and our voices and our wills and our desires and submit them to him and give them to him. You know, there was a time when God saw the world lying like a cripple on the doorstep of heaven. And God had something that he could not keep. That was his own life and love and his son, Jesus Christ. The beggar... Ask only for alms and a cooling drink. But God gave us a baby to love, a man to follow, a life to adore, a spirit to dwell in his own broken and crippled body and made us walk and leap and praise again. He gave us purpose and hope. So what do we do with this healing Uh, by Paul. What does the Bible model for us about the purpose of of miracles? Why do they happen? 
Well, first of all, Jesus indisputably made people, sick people well. We find it all over Scripture. Luke 4.40 says, At sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness, and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. And that healing con- continued with uh, increasing vigor, even when the time for Jesus himself no longer to be no longer present with us was over. He shared that to keep on going. The book of Acts gives ample evidence of that and how God healed and did miraculous things through regular people. And that's us. Second thing we learn about miracles is Jesus often made people well before they made them good. And for some of us, that kind of is a shock. We think, wait a minute. We, we, some of us, our faith is almost exclusively moral in emphasis. We're like, well, God makes us good people. But sometimes he makes us well people before he makes us good people. Acts 5 verse 56 says, And wherever he went, into the villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplace. They begged him to let them touch the edges of his cloak. And look at this, and all who touched it were healed. And that happened apparently before they had opportunity to preach to them, before he could tell them anything about the moral demands of following Christ. All this through uh, the first part of Acts is, is the amazing physical reconversion of men rather than a moral one that is set forth as a compelling sign that God was at work in the fellowship. Peter didn't look at the man and say, are you ready to straighten your life out first? Then I'll give you the gift. He just said, look at me, I got something. Get up and walk. In the name of Jesus Christ. Then the man responded to the leaping and praising and dancing and the testimony of his life. The third thing Jesus models for us that we should keep in mind is when he gave his credentials when John the Baptist came to him and or he sent his followers and said, go find out from him if he truly is the Messiah. If you notice in Matthew eleven five, the order in which he lists the things, he says, you tell him the blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Miracles and healing for proclamation. Fascinating. And finally, when Jesus sent out his disciples to give the order to, he gave them the order to do the same thing. According to Luke 9, 2, that he sent them forth with this charge, and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. And folks, he tells us to do the same thing. Same thing. Go, therefore, into all the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go and do likewise. Go and watch the Spirit of God move through you. Go and be bold in your faith, believing God will use you, trusting that He will uh, pour out His Spirit on you and through you. It's hard to get around the fact that God will sometimes uh, heal physically before healing spiritually. But sometimes that's the very thing that gets in the way. Our physical ailments, our 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 crippled bodies are the things that keep us from hearing the power and the message of God itself. If we were to read on, I've already mentioned this, if you were to read on in Acts chapter 3, you learn how this healed cripple turned into a bold testimony for Jesus Christ. And so I wonder, has God given you a gift 
that you didn't ask for, but you sure certainly need it? Was it a boost? Was it a shot in the arm? It was a, an added blessing. We had God moments all week uh, during uh, VBS. Janine does them every Sunday in Children's Church. And she says, anybody have a God moment? Well, you've seen God at work this week. And uh, we heard some that were very sweet, and then we heard some that were really powerful. But as I was watching this video, and I actually was watching Kathy in the 9 o'clock service this morning, and uh, she was sharing about VBS and how God moved, I felt myself just get all choked up. Thinking of all these little lives with their minds wide open, wanting to understand who Jesus is, and then some of them making a decision. And I thought back to my fourth grade Sunday school teacher. I shared this in my, in my on our time with kids. Um, I had a fourth grade teacher. I cannot remember his name. He was an older man. He didn't have any kids in, in that grade. And I was in the fourth grade boys Sunday school class. And it smelled every week, I'm sure. But he devoted himself to being there with us every Sunday, week in and week out, to teach us Bible stories and teach us about Jesus. And I remember very regularly he would share with us, he would say, you know, uh, some of you um, are putting your trust in Jesus. And he goes, and we're going to have a prayer here to wrap up the day. And if you'd like to give your heart to Jesus and ask him to be your Lord and Savior, you can do that. And he did it almost every single week. It was when I was in the fourth grade that I gave my life to Jesus. I can't remember that guy's name. I can see his face in my mind. And I know that he had to be bold in sharing his faith with me. And it's something that transformed my life. And like I told those kids, Jesus forgave me of my sins that day. He came and lived in my heart that day. And have I messed up since that day? Oh, yeah. I've made some really bad decisions. But Jesus says when we do that, we can come back to him and say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. I shouldn't have done that. And like I told them, Jesus looks at me and he says, come on, brother, come back home. And that little girl looked at me from the front row down there and she said, come on, brother. And I went, right, right, come on, brother. I've got work for you. Did I know I was going to be a preacher when I was in fourth grade? Uh, no. I thought I was going to be a professional football player at that time. Obviously, I'm not. Fourth grade. You never know. You never know when God's going to speak through you and to you. I got something that I greatly needed from my fourth grade Sunday school. Beaumont, Texas. All places in the world. Where it sprinkles and it floods. That's crazy. So how about you? Has he healed you? Has he set you free from something? How did you respond to the gift that God has given you? To that moment when he stirred your heart. When he met you right where you are to forgive you. And you felt his grace greater than you ever have felt. How did you respond? How bold will you be in your faith? How, what bold thing will you ask? Like the crippled man, what bold thing will you ask of God? Say, God, I need this. Was it for you or is it for someone else? Do I need to pray bold prayers for someone else? But I so desperately need a touch from him today. What bold thing will you ask? 
Silver and gold I do not have. But what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus. Stand up in faith. Will you stand and walk and leap and dance and praise and let your life be a testimony? How has he boldly affected you and what will you do now to live boldly for Father, you are more gracious and powerful than we ever imagined. Patient. Thank you for your patience, Lord, for your forgiveness. Right now, God, as we come in just a moment of quiet, whisper into our ears, speak into our hearts, pour out and fill up again with your Holy Spirit, that we may be bold for you. Bold in what we ask, bold in how we live. Come, O Holy Spirit, meet us right here today, we pray. In Jesus' name. Let's stand as we sing the closing song.